Welcome to the Mom Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Chrissy and Cindy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. We are so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Mom Needs a Moment for part two of our conversation with our experts for our roundtable, the last one of 2023, where we talk about setting effective boundaries. In our last episode, we talked about the definition of a boundary and what boundaries may look like for a person that might come to work with each of our experts. We also discussed the difference between men and women and different generations and how we approach saying no or setting boundaries and just some of those differences that lie in there. It was a very interesting conversation. Yes. Make sure you go back and have a listen. Her Health Collective hosts four roundtables each year in an effort to bring together our experts and dive deep into the topics that matter to moms the most. We have found that these roundtables are often our most well-liked episodes by both our podcast listeners and us. Cindy and I really enjoy these too. Each of the experts represented in our roundtables have different professional backgrounds and specialties. When they come together and discuss women's health, you, the listener, can expect to get different perspectives based on their area of focus. This is also a time for the experts to collaborate with professionals from other industries in order to create a more holistic model of care for women. Our goal is to expand our experts' referral network while emphasizing the importance of collaborative healthcare. In our roundtable today, we are discussing how to set effective boundaries. And I have to say, this is a topic I don't know any woman that wouldn't benefit from taking a deep dive into this topic and listening to some experts kind of go back and forth on this. We are striving to give you everything you need to know about boundaries from different professional backgrounds, while also trying and hoping to glean insights from our experts' personal experiences as well. Today, we are honored to be joined by several of our 2023 Her Expert panelists. We'll take a few moments to let each of our experts introduce themselves and share their areas of expertise so that our listeners can hear each expert's voice and just have a better idea of who is speaking during the upcoming conversation. Going in no particular order, Veronica, would you introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is Veronica Kemeny. I am a licensed clinical social worker here in Raleigh, North Carolina. I have been in private practice for many years, serving maternal mental health, and I'm now one of the co-founders of Anchor Perinatal Wellness, which provides higher level of care, specific maternal mental health services to folks who, through nine hours of group therapy, can stabilize their mental health. I'm honored to be here and love working with Her Health Collective and serving moms as they have lots of themes that we're all going through together. So thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. We're so glad that you are a part of this team. Christy, mm -hmm. can you introduce yourself, please? Hi, I'm Christy Maloney. I am a registered dietitian in the Charlotte area. I have a private practice called Enhanced Nutrition Associates, and I've been in private practice for about five years. My areas of expertise are eating disorders, disordered eating, and body image issues as it relates to women. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We're excited to hear what you have to say. And Dr. Hillary. Hi, I'm Dr. Hillary Manzik, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist here based in North Carolina in Holly Springs. And 
my specialties in my private practice are perinatal mental health and parenting. And I actually also do separate parent coaching. I have a podcast called Raised Resilient with Dr. Hillary, and I have a group coaching program for parents of highly sensitive kids who are struggling. Thank you so much for being here. We know that you're going to have so many insights to share on this topic. And last but certainly not least, we would love to have Kirsten introduce herself, please. My name is Kirsten Spurrier, and I am a pelvic floor occupational therapist, and I own my own practice called the Perinatal Pelvis, which provides pelvic floor therapy um, and maternal wellness services, um, mostly specializing in the pregnancy and postpartum bodies. I also do a lot of community outreach and a lot of events geared towards mothers preparing for those stages of their life. So it's good to be here. We are thrilled to have you all here. Thank you so much for joining us. So we already discussed examples of boundaries and what an individual may experience when their personal boundaries are not clearly marked. Many people don't actually know how to set healthy boundaries. An article from positivepsychology.com says that, quote, setting healthy boundaries requires self-awareness. We need to be clear about our expectations of ourselves and others, and what we are and are not comfortable with in specific situations. Setting healthy boundaries requires good communication skills that convey assertiveness and clarity. Assertiveness involves expressing your feelings openly and respectfully. So to summarize this, according to the source, a person needs to have self-awareness, clear expectations, understand comfort levels, have clear communication skills and assertiveness. That is a very tall order to fill. I don't know anyone that has all or even some of these qualities. Do you feel all of these qualities are necessary to begin setting boundaries? I think on some level it's to fake it till you make it, you know. Like are you going to go into the into those situations with clear expectation, understanding our comfort levels and being assertive and having great communication. No, but you won't have those until you practice it. And I would say the first thing that we really need to do when we're thinking about, okay, where do I even need to start with boundaries is just to slow down, like really slow down. Because again, so many of us are just go, 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 go. We're not aware of what we're feeling physically, let alone emotionally. And so just slowing down, creating little pockets of stillness to just be and checking in with yourself, you know, really checking in, doing a body scan, starting to notice when you feel your emotions, where do I feel that in my body? And just being with it instead of this constant need to push it out or fix it. I think starting there is going to create the beginnings of the awareness you need to say, you know what? I didn't like that. I don't want that. I can't take this on, right? And being able to actually articulate that would be the next step. And, and I agree. I think the more you practice it, the more you're going to start to see, oh, that felt good. Or maybe that felt a little uncomfortable when I did it. But now I'm really glad that I'm not taking this extra thing on. And, and I want to just challenge us too. I think a lot of times we like to stay in our comfort zone, especially as moms. We've got so much on our plates. But remember that when we're uncomfortable is when our brain is rewiring. Right. And so when you do the thing that's a little uncomfortable, like saying, Hey, I can't continue to come to your house, you know, in law, if you continue to comment on my kid's body, right. To be able to say that is uncomfortable, but that's rewiring your brain 
to do the thing that is what you need and what your child needs, it's going to be uncomfortable. And the more we can sort of embrace that discomfort, knowing that we're rewiring our brain in a good way, the more I think we're going to be able to do it going forward. So Dr. Hillary, when you have a client that comes to you and you've recognized that one of the problems is they're not setting healthy boundaries around their needs, you first start by having them slow down. That's the first thing that you instruct or encourage them to do is to just slow down. And then what is the next step for you to help a person begin implementing those boundaries? Yeah. So, I mean, and we will do that in session too. We'll do that by sitting in the discomfort together. We'll do that through trauma processing, right? And just creating the space to be aware of, of yourself and what you need is absolutely the first step. And that's going to get you a lot of the way because that includes being with your emotions, being present with your emotions and letting them be instead of trying to fix them, recognizing and welcoming your emotions, you're angry and sitting with it and going, I'm angry. It's okay that I'm angry. What is this anger trying to tell me? Right. Because our emotions are signals, but yeah, I, I think that awareness and that stillness includes welcoming your emotions, which is really, really important. And when you start to welcome your emotions, you start to get these little downloads of like, I really don't like that this happened. I'm really angry about this. That didn't feel good. Right. And you start to recognize that a lot of what you're doing is based on someone else's agenda and that it's been that way since you were young. And so the, this is the awareness we build through therapy, I think. And then with that awareness, we can start to go into our lives and make changes. And a lot of times we'll talk about that in session. So you signed up to do whatever for the PTA, but you're completely overwhelmed and running around with too much to do. How did that feel? If you could go back, what would you do differently, right? And kind of processing those decisions and you're always going to get another chance <laughs> to, uh, to set that boundary if you didn't do it the first time. So practicing is really important. And then checking in with yourself. Yeah, that felt uncomfortable when I did it, but gosh, I'm really glad that I did. I think the only other piece I would add is for me, and this is sort of one of my framework of a particular type of therapy I, I like a lot, acceptance and commitment therapy is values. Because I think whenever you're making change, yes, we should all be better at boundaries, quote unquote, right? But there's this conversation around that. Why? Why do you want to be better at boundaries? How is this showing up for you? You have to have your why. Because to Hillary's point, it's uncomfortable to make change. <laughs> so it's really easy to then feel the discomfort and fall back into old routines. So if you don't have a very clear why for the work that you're doing, that's where it's very easy to get pulled back in. So I think that could look like with boundaries, going back to sort of maybe what I said early on is I'm sick of feeling resentful in my relationships. I have children, I have daughters that I want to make sure that they don't fall into people pleasing habits that we were, most of us were raised with, right? We, wanting to be different as a parent or be intentional in my parenting, like those would be the whys, right? So that I would maybe have for myself that when it is hard to hold a boundary, I will say things almost like a little mantra to myself. So I think that is going to be the really crucial point to keep pivoting back to your why so that you will deviate, you will fall back into habits and giving yourself the self-compassion of that. But I think the why comes from the slowing down and then noticing your why it comes. It's definitely within that layer of self-awareness. But to me, that's really foundational because it is uncomfortable. You don't have to do this work. So you have to know why are you doing it and how do you hold that dear that will ground you throughout this process.
A hundred percent. My parent coaching program is eight weeks of essentially a boot camp. It's really intense. Um, and I, in building it, I don't think I realized it would be so intense, but it kind of has to be in terms of like, we're actually really changing how we're showing up. And the very first thing we do is a why, because parents come to me because parenting's not feeling good. It's not feeling good for their kids. Like it doesn't feel good to punish your child. We do it because we're on the back foot. We don't know what to do. We're reactive, but it doesn't feel good. That doesn't help the relationship, right? So parents come to me because parenting doesn't feel good. And so I tell them, this is going to be really uncomfortable. It's going to challenge some things that you've been taught implicitly since you were born. And so why do you want to make this change? What's your vision? right? What do you, what relationship do you want with your child? And so often it's not just, I want ease with my child, but it's also, I don't want the relationship for my child to have the relationship with me that I did with my parents or whatever, right? I don't want my child to learn that they can't say no when they feel like they need to. And so that's a really powerful why to do this really uncomfortable work. So I completely agree. That's really important because you're right. Like it's comfortable to stay where we are. So if we don't have to change. Why would we? Well, there's usually some benefit to us. I mean, there obviously is, but there's usually benefit that we can latch onto even before we've shifted. You've all actually shared a few things to expect when you start to implement the boundaries, because this is a different behavior that we'll be taking on. So you've mentioned, be prepared for setbacks, make sure you have your why, make sure that you're focused. Are there any other hurdles and challenges that we should let our listeners know to be prepared for that they may need to overcome? One that pops into head that I'd love for you to comment on is the reaction we get from other people. So if you could talk about that, because we get pushback. This comes up so much with parents because we take the kid off the couch and what does the kid do? The kid's not, oh, thank you so much, mommy. You just kept me safe. No, the kid's like having a tantrum, right? And so we, as a society, we've been raised to be really uncomfortable with emotions because what happened when we had an angry outburst as a kid, we were punished. What happened when we cried? We were told to either toughen up or it's okay, you're fine, right? So we were taught implicitly that emotions are not safe and we need to push them away. So when other people show emotion, we are hella uncomfortable, right? And so we don't want to sit in that. And that is the biggest thing that I see come up in parenting is that we're uncomfortable with our kids' emotions. And so a lot of times we don't set those boundaries because we don't want to deal with the fallout. So getting comfortable in the discomfort with your child. And I would say same thing when you're setting a boundary with an adult, right? You set that boundary with your in-laws saying like, I can't continue to spend time with you if you're going to treat my child like this, for example. That's not comfortable and they might not like it and they might call you entitled or whatever they think about younger generations, right? And it's going to be uncomfortable and tolerating their discomfort is going to be really important. Yeah. I think as, you know, we're talking about having conversations as, you know, kind of where we're sandwiched now, late thirties, forties, like kind of moms, you know, I think we, we did grow up and a lot of times with people making comments on our bodies and that kind of thing. And especially with maybe baby boomers being less inclined to be in touch with their emotions and kind of having some of their thoughts challenged on bodies and what the perception should be. You know, one area I would expect if, you know, you're setting that boundary related to comments about body or food is to expect that there will be a pushback or there's, you're so sensitive. When did you get so sensitive? You know, that kind of thing and really kind of go into it having processed, you know, with your therapist, how am I going to handle it? You know, if, if I'm called insensitive or if I'm told that I'm just overthinking it or it's no big deal, like that kind of thing is where I, the biggest hurdles. To our Patreon supporters. Thank you. We appreciate you so much. 
Our goal has always been for moms to know they're not alone in the tough and challenging phases of motherhood. We know Mama Needs a Moment provides this to our listeners. We are thrilled with the growth of the podcast over the past two years. Last year, Spotify shared that Mama Needs a Moment was in the top 30% most followed podcasts, was heard in nine countries, and had more content than 97% of other creators in the family category. We have recently launched a Patreon account for Mama Needs a Moment. This is a great way for you to provide additional support to Her Health Collective. We've set up three options for Patreon supporters, each with its very own perks, such as special events, discounts, and bonus content from each and every podcast guest that is available only to our Patreon supporters. Will you become a Patreon supporter? It would mean the world to us. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of us brought up therapy as an avenue for this work. And I, as a therapist, I would say I would have to agree. <laughs> this is really deep work. And there's lots of wonderful resources out there through books and podcasts, you know, like we're doing right now. And it kicks up a lot. And so you can probably access those top couple of layers, but this is really deep work. So definitely thinking about what is the avenue to do this work for yourself. And so ideally, I think with a therapist, even for a few short weeks to set the groundwork and then having some clear sort of benchmarks to keep doing the work on your own is important. Um, I agree. I think the pushback from others is really important to normalize. Going back to the why of, well, it's I'm doing this because of these reasons and I'm prepared for the pushback. Everyone's more comfortable in what's predictable, right? Human behavior. So it's really, whether it be you're saying no to that candy bar at the checkout line, just know you're going to have a tantrum, but know that you are parenting with more intentionality, right? But same with adults, adults like what's familiar too. And so coming back to your why, the bigger piece and expecting and even coping ahead, which could look like, what am I going to say to myself when my, you know, partner pushes back? What am I going to say? Um, how am I going to calm myself down? Um, what am I going to outwardly say if they challenge me on something, right? So some of that might be actually having the language for yourself or for others ready to go. <laughs> um, you know, I, I deal with folks who are having really you know, chronic and, and sometimes acute mental health issues, even something as like a boundary of, hey, I've been really struggling with depression and I'm going to a friend's wedding and people know I've been struggling, right? What am I going to say? Well, let's plan for that. People are going to say, how you been? Isn't this the happiest time of your life with a new baby? How answer, you know? So having sometimes things ready to go because it does kick up a lot of emotions in that moment, you're, you might freeze. <laughs> so sometimes coping ahead for the pushback and noticing what you do feel comfortable sharing and what a boundary statement might look like, right? So and with that example of, yeah, you know, it's, it's had its ups and downs, but thanks for asking, right? Someone you don't know well, it's okay to just gloss over. They don't, they're not, not everyone is going to know the intimacy of how you're doing from a mental health perspective. So having some statements ready can get you out of the discomfort in that moment. And most of us know our loved ones well enough to say, oh yeah, my mom's going to react that way. My brother's going to react that way, you know, things like that. So plan it, plan ahead, have some statements ready to go and have the kindness, self-compassionate statements for yourself that bring back your why. So it grounds you again in why you're doing the work. I'd just like to add, you don't have to address everybody, right? Like you yeah. can start by just working on your partner get that 
your partner is your ally in your boundary as well. And then maybe go to your parents or your in-laws or your friends around you. So I help a lot of pregnant moms and kind of through their delivery, then postpartum. During pregnancy, we really talk about, okay, how do you imagine the first few weeks postpartum going? Can you picture how that looks? Who's there? Who's doing the grocery shopping? Who's holding your baby? How long are people staying at your house? How many visitors are you having? And just trying to like bring up conversations and topics that many don't think about. They're just like, oh, well, people are just going to come over. My mom's just going to come. As like, okay, now are you okay with that? But instead of just going straight to mom and setting boundaries, maybe talk about with your partner and be like, hey, I don't necessarily want my mom or your mom to be here as much as they think. So do you think we could do this together and maybe set something up that's a little bit better for everybody involved and so that I get to have my postpartum time how I'm imagining it. And I find that when they just slowly start working on it, again, preparing before it's a issue, but like preparing is huge. So preparing during their pregnancy of how that's going to look. And so it's not like you're taking on the whole world. You're not taking on your whole family. It's like, one person at a time and doing it in a slow, consistent way. So helpful, everyone. Setting boundaries is something that really does take a lot of forethought and planning and gumption and follow through. Our beloved Brene Brown says, daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves, even when we risk disappointing others. I think it can be very helpful to hear how others have set boundaries in their lives, especially for our listeners to be able to hear from our experts. So it would be really awesome if we could go through and if everybody could share a personal example of how you have set an effective boundary in your life. What was the boundary? What struggle were you trying to overcome? What challenges got in the way? And ultimately, what made that boundary setting successful for you? Um, I would say, I mean, so many examples, boundaries, <laughs> boundaries up the wazoo as I try to do walk the walk and just talk the talk. And then maybe this, I'll give this as an example of like one that's still in place. <laughs> so even just the other day, I have an eight-year-old daughter and um, I definitely get into the struggles over the damn jacket. Um, and <laughs> is she going to be cold or not? But thinking about like hugging family members that comes up a lot, right? Where there's that expectation of older generations that like out of respect, you say, hello, you say goodbye, you give a hug, you know, that sort of stuff. My mother-in-law was saying goodbye. And of course my inner like people pleaser prompted my daughter to give her a hug. And I'm like, I really shouldn't be doing that. And so checking myself, I'm like, that's not important to me because what am I prioritizing my comfort or my mother-in-law's comfort over my child's autonomy to hug a person or not, right? Intellectually, I know I want her to build a genuine relationship, you know, get to that point. This is a, a we're a step family. So, you know, mother-in-law is sort of grandmother-in-law for only a few years. So we're still in that building phase. And so for me, it was like catching myself in that people-pleasing default mode, even though I know, I know how I feel on this topic, yet there I am and I did it. <laughs> so number one, I noticed it. 
it, the words already come out my mouth. And, but so I'm going to sort of file that under, well, work in progress, self-compassion. I could have a conversation with my daughter about, you know, I know sometimes people expect hugs from us when it's always up to you to have, you know, decisions about your body, you know, Hey, we're still getting to know our family, you know, things like that. So that is definitely a work in progress. So that is an example of one of mine that is seems small and trivial, but comes up a lot, especially with other generations around how they expect kids to be respectful, right? Yeah, I'm with Veronica. So many, so many examples that come to mind, but one that I talk a lot about with the parents I work with, because, you know, part of parenting is that we have to, have to, not just nice to have, be filling our own cup in order to show up. If we want to show up in a way that feels good for us and for our kids, we have to care for ourselves. It's not nice. It's not luxurious. It is a must. And so one of the things I do to care for myself is I walk an hour a day and I try, you know, there's days it's a little shorter, but for the most part, that's something that I do because I feel best doing it. And that requires, I've got three kids, you know, whoever, whoever's stroller age at that point in time to be in the stroller for me to actually get exercise because what do toddlers want to do? They want to smell the flowers, which is great. And it's important to build in that time. But when I'm doing my walk, that's for me. And so with all three of my kids, you know, they all go through a phase, all kids where they're done with the stroller, they recognize they can walk and they want to be out. And so I've had to set that boundary of, I can't let you right now. This is really important for me to move my body. And when I'm done, and then I'll always build in, like when I'm done, we'll walk to the playground or, you know, like my daughter, I let her walk at the end of the walk. And just yesterday, she cried for about 10 minutes of the ride because she wanted to get out and walk then. And I've tried that. It doesn't work. Um, and so I just held space for her until it was time for her to get out. And she did get to get out and have her little walk at the end. But that's just one example where I had to prioritize my own well-being, even though my kid didn't like it. And yeah, there's a need for them to go and explore. And so creating that time, I think, is really important. But also, you know, we need to make sure that we're getting our needs met or we can't be there for them. I think my example will actually be with in-laws and negotiating. My in-laws live in town. And so when we started having kids and once they moved up here like a year after us, and there was just this, like, again, I think it's that generational, we don't necessarily know exactly how to ask for what we want. And so they would like plan things and be like, we're doing this instead of, Hey, would you like to join us? It was this expectation that we would always like come. And so it's had to be a lot of conversation of, can you ask us our schedule? And then can we have a conversation of what works best for everyone instead of, Hey, we're just going to come do this. And it's like, we're not going to say no if you ask in a way that's not demanding your presence on us. But I think there was so much fear that we were going to say no, and they really didn't know to ask for what they wanted. And so it's been a hard conversation and journey to get to in terms of summer vacations or where we're spending Thanksgiving day, whatever it is to, okay, what do you want? Then you ask for what you want. And we can respond with what we want and there can be a conversation. Um, so it's been an interesting learning curve, but that's definitely a boundary. And it's interesting being the daughter-in-law and then you play into my husband's family. And it's like, 
I'm setting this boundary, (laughs) but my husband also has to be on board to set that boundary as well. And how does that play into him being a son and being an adult? It's been interesting holding that boundary for sure. As we've discussed, boundaries are so important to a person's well-being and it takes work. So it's not something that we're just going to automatically wake up and be able to implement and be perfect at. It's an ongoing everyday process. Thank you so much to everyone who has shared your unique thoughts and your perspectives. To all of our listeners, be sure to check out herhealthcollective.com where we have a lot more wonderful content from each of these experts that we have been talking through through our roundtables. And this is our last one for 2023. So hard to believe that, but it's been a wonderful year together and we appreciate you all more than we can acknowledge. So thank you so much. So what were your favorite takeaways from part two of this conversation? Oh, so much goodness. Find your why with having boundaries. That was huge. And that's something that I know personally, I don't do enough. They also went on to say, when your boundary is challenged, we need to have some language for ourselves, which is something else that I don't do. So let's planning ahead, planning for it, coping ahead for the pushback that you may experience when you're setting up a particular boundary. I think that it was Veronica that said, have a boundary statement or a kindness statement for yourself that will bring you back to your why. I just felt like that was also powerful. Yeah. Super important to really being effective with boundary setting. I think for me, one of my biggest takeaways was when it comes to setting boundaries, there's this need to slow down. So for me, it is something I am aware of and I'm working on, but I tend to be very reactive and there are certain things that really trigger me. And that's where I find myself in this reactive state. And I need to be aware that that is where a boundary is being pushed for me. And I loved this idea of slowing down, checking in, noticing, building that awareness, because we do spend so much time in fight or flight. And if we are just reacting to everything, it's going to be impossible to set an effective boundary. So just the message to slow down really resonated. I, that kind of hit home for me. It really resonated. And she talked about, this was Dr. Hillary, she talked about this constant need that we have to fix it, to push through, to power through things. And if you know me on a personal level at all, you know that that is very much my personality. (laughs) So I very much appreciated that messaging. And I also really liked the idea that when we are uncomfortable is when our brain is rewiring. And I think that that's something I want to remind, I want to put that on my mirror and tattoo it on my forehead because when you're uncomfortable, you just want to throw in the towel and say, stop this. They don't want this. I want to be in my comfort zone, but we have to remember that being uncomfortable is what pushes us to reach a new level. And especially with something like setting boundaries, it is uncomfortable. We don't want to set boundaries that's scary and we don't want to hurt people's feelings and We don't want people to not like us or whatever the case may be. It's hard to do and it makes us uncomfortable. But by doing that and stepping outside of those bounds, we are rewiring our brain and making it so that we are more likely to continue setting effective boundaries as we move forward. So that really resonated with me, just slowing down, being uncomfortable, taking Mm -hmm. it all in stride. 
in that space of slowing down is when you can have more self-awareness, which is a lot of mm -hmm. what you just said. You get to get more in touch with the feelings inside because that's where we actually let our boundaries be breached is one, we aren't familiar with what our boundaries are, but two, we are reactionary. Yeah, absolutely. And this is another takeaway that is not, this is from our bonus episode for our Patreon subscribers. Go listen. This is a, was a really, really great question that we dove into with our experts. But one of the things that was stated was about scrolling social media and how that's actually our brain trying to regulate itself. And I, I mean, I won't go into the whole conversation and how, what that has to do with setting boundaries, but it was a really interesting point. And that really resonated with me too, because this is something I very much struggle with. So if you are one of our Patreon subscribers, be sure to go listen to the very quick bonus episode. There's some interesting insights there for you. Absolutely. The seven main types of boundaries. Who knew? Loved it. High five, friend. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Follow us to be the first to know when we drop a new episode. If you've enjoyed your time with us, let us know by leaving a review. We always love hearing from you. Until next time, stay true to you.